you know, people like to talk about stuff. We like to talk about stuff. We like to talk about things that are happening. We like to talk about what's going on in the world, all of those things. And, and the, there's a, a lot of reasons why I suggest that. For instance, one of the reasons, and it's been around for a long time, a lot longer than the computer has, is news shows, right? We have a lot of news shows that are out there. And I'm not just talking about the 5 o'clock news. I'm talking about 48 hours and 60 minutes and this and that. I mean, we like to talk about the things that are going on inside the world. People like to be informed. Talk is part of what we do. Talk doesn't always take the form of actual words out of our mouth, though, right? Another indicator that we like to talk and, and all those kind of more modern, Facebook, right? If you got a Facebook account, raise your hand, all right? Facebook is like proof positive we like to talk because we will put all kinds of stuff on Facebook. Now, this is, this is a, a sidebar. People, Facebook is not in your head, okay? Filter what you put on Facebook. <laughs> you know, people will just put anything up there. Uh, but anyhow, but we like to talk and we like to get those things out. I mean, this has become such a phenomenon that commercials at this point on television are talking, are building the entire theme of the commercial off of what goes on on Facebook. Uh, James Earl Jones and the other dude, I can't remember the other dude's name, you know, they're in there and they're playing out, acting out what's happening on Facebook. And the latest one I've seen, I, I don't even know what the words they're using mean. But, you know, we like to talk. And then came Twitter. You know, 150 characters or 140, 140 characters. And with 140 characters, you don't get a whole story. No, no. You get a play-by-play of the person's life. At McDonald's with Big Cheeseburger. Hashtag ba da ba 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 Right? It's getting even worse. Snapchat. What in the world is Snapchat? I gotta take this picture. It's gonna have some stuff with it, but it's gonna disappear off your phone in 10 seconds. You better read it. You better read it. You, seven, seven seconds. You better read it. You better read fast. I mean, we like to talk. I mean, gossip, that's a, that's a form of talking too. It's been around a lot longer than Twitter has. By the way, and, and I don't think there's a gossip problem inside the church right now. But let me tell you what the most destructive thing I've ever seen to a church is. Gossip. It's more destructive than any other sin. It's more destructive than our men being embroiled in pornography. It's more destructive than somebody uh, having an affair. It's more, than, it's more destructive than, than somebody using drugs. It's more destructive than anything. Gossip is so destructive. You know why? Because we won't stop it when it starts happening. When somebody starts to gossip to you about somebody, I'm just going to use Dave. Dave's not gossiping right now, but if Dave starts to tell me something, and it often comes in this form, Hey, Jerry, I don't want to gossip, but would you pray about, you know, you say, Dave, stop. You're talking about my brother. You're talking about my sister in Christ. 
Don't talk to me about them. Go talk to them. Stop them. It's all part of talk though, right? We like to talk. All this talking that goes on though, or a good deal of it, is pointless. It's pointless stuff that happens. I mean, even on the news shows, a lot of it's pointless. A lot of it doesn't matter past tomorrow. Some of it's important, but a lot of it's pointless. But what if we gave people something to talk about that wasn't pointless? That was totally worth all of the effort we put into talking? What if we gave somebody, people something to talk about that could actually change things? That could actually impact lives? Could actually transform our communities? The author of the book of Hebrews would seem to suggest that that is what we're supposed to do. He suggests this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And so I want you to open your Bibles to chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to read that together. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. You may be reading from the King James Version or the NIV or the NASB or the New King James, and that's okay. It's okay to have a preferred translation. We should be able to get the same thing out of this, though. So here it is, starting in verse 1. Therefore, pause. I love those words, therefore. Remember what therefore means? Hey, Concerning all this stuff I just said, blah, blah, blah. So everything has been building to this. This is why it's so important that if you miss a service, that you go back and listen online to the sermons. Because everything builds off the week before because that's how God directed the writer of Hebrews. So all of this suffering, all of these things that we've talked about, all of this glory of Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of all of that, holy brothers, I love that he reminds us that he's talking to the church, not to the lost world. The bulk of the New Testament is written to believers, not to lost people. You who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. Just pause there for a second. Something you don't understand, perhaps, that you don't get from this is how substantial this is that the writer of Hebrews is saying this. We, as a Christian church, overlook the significance of Moses, the one who delivered the law. What was the celebration at Pentecost? What is the festival of Pentecost about? The giving of the law. 
God instituted his church around the celebration of the giving of the law, friends, because the law still applies to a Christian. Moses is worthy of honor, but with all of Moses had did, and and the Jews knew this in the early church, I mean, the Bible they had was the Old Testament. They were writing the new. And they're saying, man, Moses, he's like, the cornerstone, what God spoke through him is the cornerstone of all of this, but not really. Underneath of that cornerstone is Jesus Christ. The foundation was really laid upon Jesus Christ. As great as Moses is, Jesus is even better. For Jesus, verse 3 again, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. But the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Let's pray. Father, speak to your people today. Radically transform our lives. Lord, open this passage up to us in ways that it's never been opened before. Literally transform us from the inside out. Make us anew. Create in us a clean heart, as David says in the Psalms, and renew a right spirit in us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The author of the book of Hebrews starts out by asking us to consider Jesus as the apostle and high priest of our faith. Now, he's not saying consider him an apostle and consider him a high priest. He's saying, okay, look, this apostle of our faith, this high priest of our faith, consider him. Think on him. Dare I go a little mystical and say, meditate on him. A lot of Christians have problems with meditation. Look, I got problems with certain types of meditation, but the scriptures tell us to meditate on God's word. Who is the word? Okay, come on. Who is the word? Boy, consider Jesus. Meditate on Jesus. He is the word made manifest in the flesh. This is good meditation. Thinking about Jesus, considering like Brother Dan shared this morning. He's thinking about what Jesus did in his life, the things that he brought him out of. We are to be considering Jesus, thinking about him, holding every thought captive to him. As we consider Jesus, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Man, he's bigger than Moses. This is like people who are, who are into, into classic rock saying they're bigger than the Beatles. He's bigger than Moses. Consider him. Think about him. Ponder him. Process all of the things about him. Why? 
The author of Hebrews tells us because Moses spoke of the things that are to come. Jesus is bigger than him, though, because Jesus was what was to come. Moses talked about the one who was coming. Jesus is the one who was coming. Moses talked about the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Moses talked about God. Jesus is God. Moses knew God face to face. Jesus shares all of his thoughts. The same spirit. Because he's one and the same God. So before we get too far into the sermon today, let's consider Jesus. You see up there on the screen a picture that's going to help us do just that. You may have seen pictures like this before. My wife and I have a poster in our... It's a very nice poster. You wouldn't know it was a poster unless you got real close to it. And this crazy frame in our dining room has all these different names of Jesus. On our church's Facebook page, the, the banner picture has something similar to it. Life. Look at those things that it says about Jesus. He's life. He's love. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the resurrection. He's the I Am. He's the Lord. He's the righteous God. He was the Lamb who was slain. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the rose of Sharon. He was a wonderful counselor. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the creator of all things. He's the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Consider him. Think about him. There's nothing going on in our world today. Nothing. Not wars. Not politicians. Not leaders. Not evil regimes. Not sickness. Not health. Not blessing. Nothing is happening that he's not involved in. I'm not saying he wants all those bad things to happen. And I'm not saying everything that is good that is happening is all that there is that could happen that's good. He's given us free will. One of the greatest gifts He's given us, in my opinion. He lets us choose whether or not we want to love Him back. He doesn't make us love Him. It's what sets us above the angels. The angels don't have a choice. Serve or be cast out forever with no plan of redemption. Somebody quoted on their Facebook, Mark Twain, uh, a quote from Mark Twain saying that, who prays for Satan? No, this is the one who needs all of the prayer. He's the chief sinner. Uh, Satan doesn't need prayer. He can't be redeemed. Satan is unredeemable. Mark Twain was wrong. And I'm not trying to beat up Mark Twain. I'm just saying it's the spiritual truth he didn't understand. But we're that much more important. Look at the things that Jesus did. Consider him. Remember what he brought you out of. And there's a lot more that we could talk about out of this passage of Scripture. Consider Him. Think it over. Meditate on it. Spend time in your daily devotions thinking about Jesus, meditating on who He is. Because verse 6 has an interesting twist to it. 
It actually suggests that we should boast. That's why I put the boasting on top of there. It actually suggests that we should brag as Christians. This is a bizarre twist for this passage to take because the word uh, translated here as boasting is almost exclusively used in a negative context by people who spoke Koine Greek. This is the, co- the Greek of the common man. It's not classical high Greek. It's the common Greek of the common man. It's the slang. It's the guy who's saying ain't and yins. All right. <clears throat> so, you know, this is, this was almost, this word was almost exclusively used as negative. And I'm not talking by Christians. I'm talking by everybody. It was a negative word. The word is kalchema, and I've probably pronounced that wrong because I've been, it's been a while since I practiced, kalchema. And what kalchema is, is what one boasts about or a basis of pride. This word boasting in your Bible, boasting is the Greek word kalchema. According to the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, the usage of this word during the time period of the Hebrew, that, that the book of Hebrews is written was almost always negative in context. I've told you that, but I want to go on a little further. The, the, this negative context is why we find warnings against this by the philosophers and satirists of the time. Not just the Christian people, the, the secular people warned against this and said this isn't something that's good. The Apostle Paul... Is almost, is, is almost exclusively the only author in the New Testament that uses this word. The author of Hebrews uses it, which may indicate that Paul was written by Hebrews, or it may not. This is why he's almost exclusively. And interestingly enough, it's always in a negative context, almost every time. The, the, this word and its derivatives are things that Paul talks about that you know he opposes... Uh, self-assured boasting and he says no no self-assured boasting no basis of pride in contrast to an attitude of faith which is made possible and demanded by christ faith precludes boasting says paul in romans 3 27 Abraham, the father of faith, has nothing to boast about before God, says Paul in Romans chapter 4, verses 2. The valid boasting of Judaism has become false boasting in the law, according to Paul in Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. This boasting is almost exclusively seen as a negative thing, and yet we see the author of Hebrews telling us, to do it the writer of hebrews argues there is an appropriate type of boasting for a christian to participate in and it is boasting about god there is an appropriate type of boasting for you and i to get involved in and it's bragging about god Think about that.
Just let it, let it sink in for a minute. What is God boasting? What is God boasting? If we're told to do it and we're told that this is part of it, then we need to understand what it is so that when we do it, we don't wander off into the negative stuff and we keep into the positive stuff that the author of Hebrews is trying to to get us to understand. God boasting starts with considering Jesus and what He has done. The first step to God boasting is thinking about Jesus Christ, letting your mind go to the author and perfecter of our faith, pondering who He is, pondering how He's worked in your life, pondering how He's worked in creation, pondering how He's worked in your neighbor's life or your wife's life or your husband's life, thinking about all of those things, thinking about what He's done. This is the first step. It makes sense if it's God boasting, if it's boasting about God, well, we probably ought to stop and think about God, amen? One way we did that was with the picture that we had kind of on the front end of the sermon where we thought about Jesus, we thought about His different names. By the way, there's a lot of ways we can do that. That's just one way to think about Jesus. So we get this picture of who Jesus is in our mind. We get this picture of the things that He's done. And, but, and that's what verses 1 through 5 are about. He's, he's boasting. He's telling us about Jesus. He's telling us how superior He is. This is what all of chapter 1 and 2, remember it says... He's not ashamed to call him his brother. He's been been suffered and and tempted like we were. And so he's able to help us in our temptations. Remember all of these things that he left the glory of heaven to come down. If you go back and read the first two chapters of Hebrews, you'll see all this stuff. He's been considering Jesus. I mean, he starts off, he says, you know, in the beginning of the book, he says in various times, in many ways, that God has spoken through the prophets, but now through his son Jesus, he's got us focused on Jesus. He's got us looking at Jesus. And now he's telling us what's supposed to happen because of it. See, it all builds. There's no standalone verses in the Bible. Like, Missy got that. There's no standalone verses in the Bible. Most of the time, what we proof text, when we say, but this verse says this, it's out of context. Stop proof texting. And look at the theology as it builds on its own. Therefore, since all of these cool things about Jesus, he's helping us, and all of this stuff, he's telling us to consider. And then it moves to placing our trust in those facts. It moves to placing our trust in those things that we know about Jesus. You don't know what trust is, maybe. Elders, come up here. Jared Shuey, come here. Come here, elders. Dylan, come help. Jared, will you trust me? It's going to be hard. Take glasses off. Step up on this pew. Face them. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Cross your arms in front of you. 
Do not let go. Do not hit us. Guys, stand off to the side of him. Stand off to the side and put your arms out like this. Jared, you haven't seen anything back here. Your eyes are closed. You can't see anybody. Jared, trust me. We're going to catch you. We're going to catch you, Jared. We're going to catch you. Jared. Jared, I promise you we will not drop you. Fall. All right, thanks. Trust. Jared had to trust. Guys, I've done a trust fall where they didn't catch me. Trust is only as good as the promise and the one who's promising. We can consider all of these things about Jesus, but do we really trust them? See, God boasting comes out of a place of trust. You can't brag about something that you don't genuinely believe. You cannot boast about something you do not genuinely embrace in your life, not intellectually, not even in your heart, because Jared might have believed in his heart that we would catch him. But he still may have stood right there afraid to fall. But he believed it in his actions. Came out of his hands and he fell. And I know you're saying, what does hands have to do with this? It's the analogy. Head knowledge, heart knowledge, hand knowledge. Hand knowledge is what we're going for at OCCA. I do not, it's not head knowledge and we're not going for heart knowledge. We're going for your life is transformed and your actions show it knowledge. I think the modern day psalmist had it right. He didn't say, if you're happy and you know it, think about clapping your hands. He said, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, your face will think about showing it. No, your face will show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I know this seems like so infantile, but guys, there's a lot of truth. I think this is why the, I think this is why Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he's talking about the children. They don't complicate all of these things like we do. I, I don't know if it's a true story, but I heard the story anyways. Whether it's true or not, it still makes a nice sermon illustration. Little girl's going home from church, and she looks at her mom and she says, "Mom, if God is." So big and he's everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's no place that God's not, right? Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, he's huge. But God lives inside of us, right? Yeah. Shouldn't he show through? That's her question. Shouldn't he show through? Actions. God boasting starts with seeing the promises of God. Considering the promises of God. Thinking about those God, those things. But then it moves to trusting in those facts. You say, well, I don't know if that came out of verse 6 or not. It did. Let's look at it. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if, if, what? We hold fast to our confidence. If we trust. If we actually trust it. We're his house. It's all, it comes to this place of trust. 
That's what it moves to next. And then, and then, it finishes with joyfully and energetically proclaiming those facts. It ends with joyfully and energetically proclaiming those facts. That's how the verse ends. And boasting in our hope. Now let me tell you the biblical definition of hope because I think a lot of times people miss the actual definition of hope. People think of hope as, well, let's just take a little quick survey. I want you, if you think faith is more than hope, I want you to raise your right hand. If you think that hope is more than faith, I want you to raise your left hand. So which one's stronger, hope or faith? Which one has more confidence, hope or faith? If you think faith has more confidence, raise your right hand. If you think hope has more confidence, raise your left hand. Go, raise them. If your right hand is up, you're wrong. It's hope. The word translated as hope here is the Greek word that means faith with expectation. It's faith with expectation. Faith is heart knowledge. Hope is hand knowledge. Jared exercised hope. I sure hope they catch me. He stepped out on the faith. That's what hope is. And boasting in our hope. We can only boast when we actually place our trust in those facts. Once we have considered the facts, we've started trusting in them, then we must go and tell others about them. In other words, we have to tell or it's not boasting. It's simply reminiscing. And a lot of times Christians just sit around and reminisce. I guess that one kind of hit home. Heard a lot of people go, ooh. It's not bragging about God. If in your devotional time you're sitting around thinking about all the things that you have that He's done in your life and you get teary-eyed. That's reminiscing, and that's good. But church, we have to go tell people about it. This word boasting means that we go out and brag. It's kalchema, and it means what one boasts about or a basis of pride. Where you go and run your lips about it. Friends, God boasting equals worship. God boasting equals worship. This is what I think is so cool about what Mark said in the beginning of service today when we were singing and he talked about the, the, the singers going out in front of the army. What do you think they were singing? What do you think they were singing? Somebody whispered it. Somebody say it loud. What were they singing? They were singing praise about how God had moved in their life. They were having confidence. Let me tell you something. If you go out in front of the army with the guitar or with whatever instrument you have or if it's just your voice and you go out there in front, friends, 
You're trusting. You're boasting. Right there. You're walking out there and saying, if God is for me, who can be against me? Saying, you can't touch me. Think about that. That's God boasting. My God is so big, you can't get to me. God boasting happens all throughout the Old Testament. I don't think it happens nearly as much in the, in the New Testament times, including the times we live in now, because we're still writing the book of Acts, by the way. <laughs> it's not done. It's about the church. That's the history of the church. And church history is still being written. Good and bad. Just like in the book. No, we're not adding it to the scripture. We're not adding it to the canon. But you understand what I'm saying. What is this God boasting? God boasting is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looking at King Nebuchadnezzar and saying, Hey dude, I don't care what you do. I am never bowing down and worshiping you. Not ever. And, and he says, oh yeah? Heat the furnace up. Way hotter than it's ever been. This furnace was so hot that the people that were stoking it to get it hot were dying of exposure, heating it up. He said, you still, you, you want a piece? You know, and they're like, I mean, I know I'm paraphrasing it. He's like, you sure you want a piece? They're like, bring it. Our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I'm not bowing down to you. This is God boasting. Even if he doesn't, I'm going to serve him anyways. He's going to deliver me. But if I die a fiery death, then I will enter into glory with a little smoke waft coming off of me. Amen? How many of us have that? That's God boasting. And what happens when we boast? Man, we put ourselves out there. We put ourselves out there. When we get up and we declare the the promises of God, which are yes and amen, when we get up and we declare those things in our life and we claim those promises, we are putting ourselves out there. And we might look foolish. But you know what? God's got to fulfill those promises, not me. Not your elders. Not your board of ministries. God has to fulfill them. I might look foolish by asking for a special offering on the last Sunday of this month that we may not have enough money to pay for the chairs, but I don't care. Because even if he doesn't, he still loves me. It's the great thing about the New Testament. That's one of the differences. In the Old Testament, if somebody prophesied and they were wrong, they got stoned to death. In the New Testament, if somebody prophesies and they're wrong, they say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, forgive me. So I take a chance. I boast in God. God boasting is worship. So what are the ways that we accomplish this? I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can worship God. And so I don't want you to think every type of worship is God boasting. It's not. Tithing, that's not God boasting. Taking care of widows and orphans in their distress, that's not God boasting. I mean, their worship, those are ways we worship, but that's not bragging. We're not supposed to go out and tell everybody, look how much money I'm giving. That's, that's not good. That's bad. 
Are we supposed to tithe? Absolutely. Are we supposed to go wave it in the newfer's face? No. Right? But we are supposed to use our lips to talk about some of these things. So, so what do those things look like? One of the primary ways that Christians accomplish this task is by singing songs meant to extol God. It's one of the primary ways. By the way, I wasn't going to say anything about this, but I feel like the Lord says I should. I didn't write this sermon because of what happened last week. I finished chapter 2 and moved on to chapter 3. I'm just preaching through the word. This isn't me trying to pick on somebody. One of the primary ways that Christians do this is by singing. You know, to the best of my knowledge, to the best, and I could be wrong about this, but to the best of my knowledge, we're the only religion in the world that sings like this. Some people chant, but like singing and making this joyous melody and all these things, only Christians. And we've been doing it, and Jews, part of the Judeo-Christian faith, and it's been part of what we do forever. This is one of the things that we do. You have 150 of these God boastings in your Bible called the Book of Psalms. They are a, it is a book of songs. The Psalter is a book of songs. 150 of them. The longest book in the Bible. Somebody throw it out there if you know what it is. Psalm 119. The longest book in the Bible is a song. A long Hebrew poem. I don't know if they ever sang that thing or if they, you know. I mean, that's like, that's like, this is the song that never ends. You know, three days later, they're getting to the end of it. You know. And then Mark is like, let's go back and sing verse one again. And they're like, no. <laughs> Anyway, this is one of the primary ways we do it. This is one of the primary ways we consider. And and it's so great. And and guys, and I love, and I think there are some very godly, wonderful old hymns, but there is also stuff being written today that is godly and wonderful. And there were some horrible hymns that were doctrinally way off. And there's some horrible songs today that are doctrinally way off. We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But we talk about these things. One of the great songs that I really think talks about trusting God and, and, and really talking about this God boasting and saying, even if you don't, I'm going to trust you anyways. It goes like this. I would have thought by now you would have reached down, wiped our tears away, jumped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. As your mercy flows, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I am with you. And so I will praise you in the storm, and I will lift my hands 
because you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. And I can't remember the next part, but you get the point. This is God boasting. I will praise you. I will boast about you. I will brag about my God. There may not be much to brag about about me, but I will brag about you. I will tell everybody how wonderful you are. Why is this a part of our Christian worship services? Because Ronnie Schwab may come in one morning and he may not feel like worshiping God. But when Jamie gets up and extols God and reminds Ron of the promises of God, Ron breaks down before God and says, God, I'm here in your presence and I'd forgotten. Thank you for the reminder. And we encourage one another and we exhort one another and we build one another up. And this God boasting builds the church of God. It strengthens the church of God. It exhorts us to walk it out. It says that when they're in the midst of our trials, when we're in the midst of our troubles, that God has not left us. He's still there for us. And if our God is for us, who can be against us? That's in one of our modern songs. And if our God is for us, then who could be against us? And if our God is... Ah, messing it up. Then what could stand against? You know what song I'm talking about? Our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is, is, is just this amazing, wonderful God. I mean, we sing these things out. We remind ourselves. Sometimes when I start singing songs, I'm not really into it. I'm not really believing it. But then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. You say, Pastor, are you putting some of these songs on the same level as, as the Word of God? Yeah, when, they, when they're declaring scriptural truths, I am. Now, we need to hold them up say, is this scriptural truth? And if it is, absolutely. God does too. According to the scriptures, what does God inhabit? The praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. And like my brother who's our worship coordinator said, man, they don't even have to have words. There are times when just the music is going. And I just am am encountered by a a living God and I cannot help but fall down and worship. Church, this is God boasting. And another way we accomplish this is by proclaiming the gospel in an effort to bring others into the kingdom. Now I could be wrong, but these are the only two ways that I see that we can use our lips to God boast. We can brag about what God has done. We can worship Him. We can, and we say, Jesus, you are awesome. We've considered all of those things. And then we can open our mouth and tell other people. I can't remember what old dead saint it is that said it, but there was an old dead saint and, who said, preach the gospel always and use words when necessary. Guys, you've got to use words every time. There's no way to preach the gospel without words. Preaching is proclaiming. There are a lot of friendly, nice people out there doing wonderful acts of charity and service for people that they're not doing it to glorify Jesus. We've got to open our mouth. Our good works or a platform from which to open our mouth. 
We serve our community. We take care of orphans and widows in their distress. We go and paint parks. We go and do all of these things so that we can tell people about the one who transformed our life. And let me just tell you, like the, the, the church as a whole likes to get caught up in one or, or the other of these. You either have churches that are like all the way evangelistic and there's no building up the body, there's no singing praises, there's no doing this, there's no doing that. Or you get the church that is, is all about singing and extolling God, but they don't go out in the community and do anything. This isn't an either or. We're supposed to do both. At the same time. We are so good at making lists. Do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. Most of the time, those aren't in Scripture. Let me give you an example. People say in Acts that God said through Jesus Christ in the first chapter in verse 8, and then you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And they say, we got to first reach Jerusalem, then we got to reach Judea, then we got to reach Samaria, then we got to reach the ends of the earth. There is nothing in the Greek that indicates that at all. It is wrong. The church believed, the early church believed, we have to reach Jerusalem first. And so they were trying to evangelize everybody in the city. And what happened? Great persecution came on the church and drove them all out. And then the gospel started going out. They were trying to do one. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Look, I was just saying, reach everybody. And the really interesting fact about that is it wasn't the apostles who got drove out. It wasn't the pastor who was the people who took the gospel out. That's what just blows my mind about that whole thing in Acts. It was you, not me. We have to do both at the same time. And that gets messy. And it gets sticky. And and sometimes people get bothered by it. But guys, this is God boasting. Worshiping Him and reaching out to our brother that's soon to be our brother, that's not yet our brother. Reaching out to our sister who's not yet our sister but soon to be our sister. Do you know that God knows every single person who will ever come into the kingdom. So do you know why you need to treat that person who has a lifestyle that you object to with dignity and honor and not like they're a piece of garbage? Listen to me, all of you. It's somebody who is struggling with homosexuality, somebody who's aborting babies, all of these things, they're not evil. They're just wrong. They're not evil. They're just wrong. They're not the enemy. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, we struggle not against flesh and blood. They're not the enemy. They're just wrong. I know that's hard for us to swallow. I'm not saying their actions are right. But like Brother Dan got up and testified this morning, like I've told you, look, I was that guy once. 
I was such a bum, you wouldn't have spit on me to put me out if I was on fire. Now I'm your preacher. This is God boasting. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray and the band's going to come back forward and we are going, and I, I love not telling Mark what I'm preaching about. It's so awesome. Because like this song, dude, it couldn't be any better for the next song. You know what you're going to do? It's awesome. See how God works. I want to encourage you. We're going to, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. We're going to, we're going to, people might be giving their pledge to the chair fund, whatever, all of those things. I mean, you got this little green slip. We want you to fill it out. By the way, this little green slip is working well. I've got five people already who want to be baptized on the 2nd of February. If you want to be baptized, mark it on here. Okay. But we're going to pray in just a moment. And then we're going to worship like there's no tomorrow. Huh? But before I do that, I'm going to show you the homework. Because <laughs> my wife is a genius and so is whoever said it over here. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 on Monday. Tuesday, Psalm 40 verses 9 through 12. Wednesday, a repeat of last week's homework. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 20. Thursday, Psalm 22 verse 22 through 24. Friday, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And Saturday, Romans 15, verses 14 through 21. All of these passages for homework are either about us worshiping God or telling others about Him. And some of them are about both. Because I want you to know what I'm saying. I'm not making it up. It's in the Scriptures. Let's pray. Father, you tell us in your word to praise you. You tell us in your word to worship and serve you. You tell us in your word to go and tell other people about you. And Lord, you tell us in your word right here in Hebrews that we are to boast in our hope. Lord, not bragging about how good Jerry is, not bragging about how good Keith is, not bragging about how good Kirby is, but bragging about how awesome you are. And so, Lord, we want to brag about you. Lord, we're going to brag about you to each other in just a moment with a song. Then, Father, would you help us to go out into the community and brag about you and tell people about the one who can save. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen.